We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Miller for three. Oh, he backed it in. He backed it in. And the game is tied. We're going to overtime. Warren lets it fly. Yes. T.J. Warren is not human. Razor catches, shoots for three to win it. He hits it. To go. Brogdon for three. Let's Got go. it. O'Neal drives on Yao, puts it in! Duarte for three. Boom, baby! Anthony attacks Hibbert! Denies him at the rim! Karis LeVert. People don't realize how good he really is. LeVert! Skies high for the jam! Stevenson passes into Sabonis for the basket! Jackson turns, fires, Smoke. Flips it to the big fella, fake shoots, and hands! What's up, everybody? Uh, this is Dwayne Washington Jr., and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Hey, everybody, what's going on? Welcome into another episode of Setting the Pace. <laughs> I talk Pacers basketball with me, but Fachi, it did my heart good to see the Pacers players back in Indianapolis getting ready for training camp. Alex, it's starting to feel real. I mean, it was it was a small sign, a few images. You got TJ McConnell telling one of his probably infamous dad jokes to Malcolm Brogdon, but it lets you know that Pacer basketball is right around the corner. Yeah, I was really enjoying Chris Duarte getting a dunk in this picture as on the red penny. And as he was going up for the dunk, his jersey came up. And my goodness, if you look at his abs, this guy is absolutely ripped. I'm excited to see what Chris Duarte does this season because he might be the most in-shape pacer on the team. Hey, very well could be. You know, we're going to find out. But that's also a guy that just in general we're all excited to see. I mean, he could be – you could make an argument. He could be the X factor this year. If Duarte is as advertised, I know it's a summer league, guys. But if he he looks like – anything like he looked like in summer league, this Pacers team might be able to have some solid depth to them. And I say that having just lost Edmund Sumner and then, you know, not really knowing what the status of TJ Warren is, but guys like Duarte can step up. Things are going to be pretty promising. October 5th, the first preseason game. So basketball, it's coming back sooner than you think guys. Yeah. 14 days away from training camp, but I do want to hit on Edmund Sumner real quick. He had successful surgery. I believe it was either today or earlier this week. He said, as much as I am disappointed, I won't be able to compete this year. I am so excited to still watch the squad this year. And being at games, feeling the amazing energy from fans. I know the guys are ready and locked in. 
everyone has something to prove. And I want to hit specifically on that last line because ESPN's projections came out today and they predicted the Pacers to finish 40 and 42 at the end of the season. I put on Twitter, this feels like good bulletin board material to try and prove them wrong, but it just also feels like a little bit of disrespect to this Pacers team. Call it disrespect, call it whatever you want. I, I call it uh, typical. Just, you know, every single year they put the Pacers lower and lower, and then they never, once the Pacers outperform their initial rankings, yeah, you're never going to hear about it from ESPN. It's just what they always do. They had the Pacers slotted in at 40 and 42 in the 10th spot, tied for eighth with Charlotte and Chicago. Now, Alex, we went through our predictions of how we think the East can shake out. And I kept saying how tight of a race it's going to be that teams like Charlotte, Chicago, the Pacers, they could all be separated by a game or so. Well, Mm. in ESPN's predictions, they were all tied. So the East is going to be so competitive this year. Pretty much a lot of things shake down as we predicted them, but they did have the Knicks and Boston higher than we had them. I can't necessarily blame them, but it just felt like classic ESPN sleeping on the Pacers. Yeah, I mean, I made an infamous meme one time. It was Zach Lowe. I think he was hating on the Pacers or something like that. A couple years ago, and I was just being funny, and I found a guy sleeping on a bed, and I put on the pillow ESPN's logo. Um, or on the blanket, ESPN's logo, and then the Pacers on the pillow. And I said, sleeping on the Pacers. And I don't know whose Twitter account it is, but they have that as their header. And it still is their header. So I was laughing pretty hard at that. But it is pretty typical because, I mean, outside of Indiana, I think people are low on this team. Even the Rick Carlisle hiring doesn't get them excited. I don't know if they're scared off by the T.J. Warren injury or what's going on. But at the end of the day, I just feel like with Rick Carlisle as your head coach and seeing what this team did two years ago – and assuming the guys are going to get better, right? I mean, we still have a pretty young team. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't see why you would think we'd have a losing record. But at the end of the day, I get it. Like you said, this is a very competitive Eastern Conference. And I guess being right around 500 or maybe under wouldn't completely shock me. But I definitely would feel a little bit disappointed. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, I don't think that this Pacers team, you know, I'm trying to be, of course, there's always a little homer in me. But there, there's... That other part that's saying, hey, why can't we be a 500 team slightly above it? You know, anything of, of that sort, I just feel like it is it is pretty realistic. So, you know, 40 and 42, look, I don't think there are that many wins off. I see the Pacers as probably more of a, you know, it could be a 44-win team, and that's in a pretty stacked Eastern Conference. So, yeah. like you mentioned, this team, they are still young. That's the thing. It's not like we're running back the old Boston Celtics of like 2012 after they won in 2008. No, this is a team where a bunch of players got better last year, had career years, but the coaching part of it, the defense was in shambles. So I feel like the Pacers address defense, defense, defense all throughout the offseason and their draft picks, even if it's more from a future standpoint. You bring in Torrey Craig, but you bring in capable coaches that know what they're doing and that have valuable experience, championship experience, Team USA gold medal experience. That's something that last year's team completely lacked. Oh, completely, yeah. I mean, it's it's quite sad to see how bad last year's entire coaching staff was from top to bottom and how unimpactful they were. But here we are. We've got a new coaching staff. We've got Rick Carlisle at the helm. Pretty much the same roster. There's been a few moves. Like you said, Tory Craig, Chris Duarte, Isaiah Jackson, and – that feels about it. Hopefully TJ Warren can get healthy, but we we really have to figure out what this team is going to do at the end of the day, because 
it's going to be a long season, I feel like, in a good way. I mean, 82 games, back at it again. The last couple of years, we've only had 72, 73 games, so it has cut into it. But so far, we've had two significant injuries happen or injury updates happen before the season or before training camp even happened. So I'm just holding my breath, hoping that the rest of the team can stay healthy. Or, or if they suffer an injury, it's not as significant as an Edmund Sumner injury, just something that they can recover from. But, you know, I, I don't wish any injury on anybody. I want this team to be healthy so we can actually get an idea of what they look like heading into the playoffs with a healthy roster. Absolutely. One more significant injury, and I think it's going to break the spirits of a lot of fans. So mm-hmm. I just feel like it's like, guys, come on. I, whatever they're doing in practice, obviously you want the practices to be, you know, as beneficial as possible, but you just got to stay safe. You got to stay healthy. I mean, we've talked about the best ability, the best, you know, the best ability is availability and the Pacers need to just be able to suit up each and every game day, which we have not been able to do for quite some time. So you got to think about this way going into last year, Oladipo, we already knew he was hurt. It wouldn't take long for TJ Warren to get hurt. And then after that, it just felt like things spiraled out after a 3-0 start. So we just want to be able to at least start the season as healthy as can be. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we will start our next segment. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, Fachi. so let's just say in a few years, the NBA decides, hey, let's add two more teams to the mix. We're going to add Seattle and Las Vegas, just playing devil's advocate here. And they said, we're going to have an expansion draft. This is a really fun exercise to think about when looking at the current roster of the Indiana Pacers. And during these expansion drafts, you're only allowed to protect so many players. So in this exercise, Fachi and I are going to only be able to protect eight Pacers I think this is going to be an interesting conversation. So, Fachi, let's just go one by one here. Who would be the first person at the top of your list that you're protecting? Uh, first person, uh, I guess I'll go with Sabonis. Yep. Okay. I'm right there with you. And then I'm going to go Karis Levert. Yeah, I'm going to go Karis Levert too. I just put my guys in, in um, you know, position order. So uh, I'm going to go with Sabonis, Levert. Then if I'm going with a third one, uh, give me TJ Warren. Okay. Now, does the injury history concern you at all with him? we were back to in a place where, Hey, you got to protect TJ Warren. You got to keep him there and just yeah. ride it out. Okay. So I think it's safe to say we probably would say all five starters, right? All five starters is correct. Okay. So we're including miles Turner. In this. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then let's move over to our bench. And I think first person that I'm keeping off the bench, it's gotta be Chris Duarte. 
Definitely keeping Duarte. I put for my little notes, the future is now. I mean, he's old enough for where we're not waiting. I think this guy can contribute right away, and I'm very excited to see his progress. No doubt I'm making sure I protect Duarte. Okay, so who would be the next person that you're protecting on this list? Give me some TJ McConnell, heart and soul of the team, freshly signed. It's obvious that we value him. I I think that McConnell's impact is one that uh, without him, you would see that impact right away. Okay, so this is where I think the debate starts because I can make a case for not keeping TJ McConnell um, if we want to go down that path because you've got some young players still on your roster. You've got O'Shea Brissett, Isaiah Jackson. You've got Gogo Batadze. Those are four guys that are part of the young core. Do any of them have more of a case for the long-term future than TJ McConnell? Uh, I mean, you. I think you could make an argument for some of these guys. For Goga, I mean, Goga could end up being that mystery guy that maybe another team, like for instance Seattle or you know whatever Las Vegas, they pick him up, and next thing you know, it's like, man, how did the Pacers not protect him? But that's what happens when you're two plus years into it and you haven't seen him even reach, you know, the, the cusp of his potential. So mm-hmm. Goga is someone that unfortunately I'm unable to protect here. Now I know that you mentioned a few others, uh, Isaiah Jackson, that is someone that I, I basically, I'm going to put it this way. My last spot came down to Isaiah Jackson and O'Shea Brissett. And I went with Isaiah Jackson because mm. this is a guy that I think has a lot of potential. I think the Pacers got a steal here. You're more invested salary wise and draft pick wise. And I just think that this is someone who I think a couple of years from now, if he's given an opportunity, a fair opportunity, you're going to say, man, Isaiah Jackson was a steal. So I'm going with Jackson over Brissett. It's tough. I think if you said we can keep nine players, this decision would have been a lot easier. Oh, yeah. I would have kept Brissett. Eight was the perfect cutoff where you have some tough decisions. Yeah, so I would definitely say that that was what I was stuck with too, was O'Shea versus Isaiah Jackson. Yep. I actually went with O'Shea Brissett. Okay. We've seen him actually play in a game before. Yep. So I think there's a little bit more comfortability there. He's still really young, too. I mean, I think he's, what, 22 years old, 23 years old. So yeah, yeah. He, he's still relatively young. He's in that timeline with the rest of this group. I would hate to lose Isaiah Jackson. Don't get me wrong. So that's why I was like, man, I, I think that the question for me, too, is like TJ McConnell is in that conversation. And then you also have to think, okay, this is just me. If I'm the Pacers and, I, and I'm thinking about breaking up this double big lineup at some point and I haven't found something I like, I know that if I let Miles Turner go unlocked or unprotected, he's going to get picked up and I'm going to lose him for nothing. So that makes me a little bit hesitant to do it. And I wouldn't do it if I was the Pacers and push come to shove. But if you're able to get that contract off of your roster, that could be enticing. I think TJ Warren being an expiring contract, someone that can't stay healthy, is it worth losing Isaiah Jackson, someone you might want for the next seven to eight years for a guy for one or two years? You see what I'm saying? Oh, I get it. I get it. And that's where I kind of fall into like this territory of like, okay, let me think here. What is my biggest position of need? It's definitely not the center position. So that's why I'm not worried about keeping, keeping Goga. Uh, mm-hmm. I've already got Turner and Sabonis. It's just, it really just depends on how good you think Isaiah Jackson can become. If you think Isaiah Jackson's ceiling can eventually become higher than a Miles Turner. Then do you have that debate and and say, hey, we're we're gonna swing and uh, swing on, take a big swing here and get, keep the young guy, 
and cut a veteran who's still relatively young and in his prime. Yeah, I just think if you're protecting your top eight, it just feels like a guarantee you're protecting your starting five. Um, I understand, you know, you're the different, you know, things that you're weighing in there, but I feel like, man, for a guy like Isaiah Jackson, I mean, this is factor this in Aaron holiday. Okay. Yeah, sure. Whatever. Four second round picks, one of which was the 31st they traded to move up to get Isaiah Jackson. I think that the Pacers see talent there. And from what I saw in summer league, I see it too. Mm -hmm. Goga, I'm sorry, but I, I haven't seen enough to, where it's like, I'd rather at this point have the unknown of Isaiah Jackson than the two years that I've seen of Goga. And for Brissett, the small sample size of, of what we saw last year, I loved it. I did. Yeah. But, you know, we still haven't seen enough to know, hey, can he sustain this over a year? Or is this more of like this guy was playing some nights 40 minutes a night, you know, where he had to produce because he was the tallest guy on the roster at 6'7". You know, mm. so I don't know if he's going to have that same opportunity this year. To tell you the truth, I hope he doesn't because that means that we're without both bigs. But uh, Isaiah Jackson for the future, I, I couldn't pass that up. Yeah, so I honestly, you know, the more I think about this, because um, I never once thought about cutting Miles Turner from this no. conversation. That was just me talking it out and, and, and thinking of different scenarios I could play in my head. I mean, really, I think the, the conversation that we need to have <laughs> really comes between T.J. McConnell, O'Shea Brissett, and Isaiah Jackson. I think it's be between those three. And the only reason I say T.J. McConnell is, look, he's not a starter-level player, right? He is a perfect backup point guard, right? Yep. So this is a guy that I know what his ceiling is. Do I think Isaiah Jackson's ceiling can be higher than T.J. McConnell? Possibly. But – Will the loss of McConnell impact our team too much? Uh, that's what I'm saying. That is exactly what I was talking about where McConnell, I said, heart and soul of this team. It's obvious that when the Pacers sign him, they value him. I think it's like it's the off the court. It's the little things that won't show up in the box score that I think it has a, a, an effect on the rest of the team. And I think that that's something where there's very few guys that are capable of having that effect. And McConnell brings that to the table. From a potential standpoint, I think T.J. McConnell, his what he's already done in his career is a success. He was on the um, uh, the trust the process awful Sixers teams where they were just digging through the dirt to find anyone they could, and he made it out and he he got himself a good contract just to this offseason. So I feel like he's already overachieved, and McConnell, I don't know what his next year is. Isaiah Jackson, I feel like, has the potential, though, to develop into a nightly starter. I mean, I don't. it's not going to be this year, and it's probably not going to be next year either. But I do feel like this is a guy that his ceiling is higher than T.J. McConnell. I don't know what next steps McConnell can take. Yeah, well, our friend Frank M. Cook and David Zoned actually agree with you, Fachi, in terms of the eight they would keep. And then Reed Coleman agrees with me that he would keep O'Shea over Isaiah Jackson so I don't blame him that was my debate it was a tough one it is a tough one so I think that it's really interesting to look at and I, I could see the NBA expanding eventually I mean there's a lot of good talent Absolutely. out there and they could always you know use more teams to make more money I think getting a team in Seattle would be really fun to revive that Seattle environment and then of course Las Vegas has just become a super popular place for people to visit a, a main attraction I think that could be 
kind of a sexy name, <laughs> a sexy city for teams to go to. So what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, right? So I think that that makes some sense. And then you could maybe move a team over to the Eastern Conference to um, from the Western Conference to do 16 and 16 and balance it out. But I, I think that was a fun exercise. But yeah, I, I'd be curious to hear what other people think. And maybe they're more on the fence of, you know, do we get rid of a couple starters? Do we get rid of this or that? You know, how do you go about it? Because it's, it's a tough exercise. And I would hate to be put in that position, but let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to ask the question, is Malcolm Brogdon the right point guard for the future of the Indiana Pacers? We're going to discuss that when we come right back. Okay, Fachi. So I prompted the question before we went to break. Now I'm giving you the question. Is Malcolm Brogdon the right point guard for the future? Yes or no? Man, it's it's a question that, you know, hey, if, if I had to just check a box, unfortunately, I have to say no. And here's why. Look, Brogdon, real good player. Make no doubt about it. Getting him in a sign and trade was a big day, a huge success for this franchise. But maybe our expectations were either too high or maybe he you know, dep- or didn't live up to it. Depends what side, you know, glass half full, glass half empty. We're not getting the 50, 40, 90 guy we hoped for, but that wasn't sustainable. But I think that he's a real good player who's not quite an all-star that – a couple years later now, you look at it with the addition of Levert, it, it makes you now wonder, like, hey, this Pacers team, we're pinching pennies right now. We're paying Keelan Martin, you know, a hundred grand at a time just to push his date back <laughs> to see what we're gonna do. I don't want to live like this. No one wants to live like this. So we gotta find out is Brogdon the answer or not. And what I'll sum it up is if he's not, I see him as the the featured trade piece in most deals moving forward. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting because you go back and look at Jay Michael's report, and what he said is Brogdon and Turner are the two that have been the most shopped this offseason, but if one of them is to be moved, anticipate Brogdon more than Turner. And we also heard from Kevin O'Connor, I believe it was, that the Pacers were looking at trading Brogdon. I, I forget if it was – I think it was actually Mike Schmitz and Jonathan Gavoni were on a podcast with Zach Lowe. And yep. Basically, they were just highlighting the fact that maybe Brogdon isn't the long-term answer, and the Pacers looked at maybe a Lonzo Ball sign and trade. trade. And the so, Ben Simmons deal. Right. Flirted in. But I know, I'm not trying to discredit any reporters, but Jason Dumas, there's been a couple of reports that he's put out there that have been completely verified that they were false. So I'm just going to monitor those um, as, as we go forward because – the whole Tyrese Maxey thing was brought up by him, and I had some Philadelphia sources tell me that that was absolutely false. And we found out that the Pacers from J. Michael did not offer Brogdon in the first-round pick for Ben Simmons. So believe what you want to believe, but there's just so much out there right now on social media, especially Twitter. It, it's really hard to know what's being true and what's not being true. But with that being said, I, I want to take a step back and just look at this. I'm really on the injury kick thing right now because – it's bothering me. And I'm looking at Malcolm Brogdon over the last two seasons after the, over the last two seasons, he's missed 35 games out of a possible 145. So that means, you know, he's played in 110 of them. This is not including the playoffs. This is just regular season. So sure. He's played in almost four times as many or three times as many as he's not played in. But if you look at his, career over the last four seasons he's played an impossible 309 games he's missed 87 of them that's 28 percent of the games that he's missed in the regular season over the last four years and I, I think that if you look at it from that perspective the older he gets 
the more I worry about his injuries, the more I worry that these injuries can happen. He already made a joke the other day on Twitter. There was a replay of his video. I think it was when he was with the Bucks, dunking over LeBron in the Cavs. And he said, oh, to have young legs again. It's like it's only been like a five-year NBA career, and we're already talking about young legs. So <laughs> I like Brogdon. I, I guess not. No, it's not. And I, I think that he does kind of epitomize the Andre Miller game a little bit. <laughs> um, Andre Miller was incredibly underappreciated, underrated, and we don't talk about him enough and how good of a player he was and how long he If anyone him. forgets, look at the all-time assist list because Andre Miller is underratedly very high on that list. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So – I think Brogdon's a better overall player than Andre Miller, don't get me wrong, but he's got to stay healthy. And I really think that if you look at the stuff that happened off the court, fans are kind of torn between what to believe and what not to believe. You hinted a lot at the Pacers front office seeming not very interested in talking about him during the mm-hmm. press press conferences. We've, we've seen that, but he came on Woj, said he's talked to Carlisle a lot. I, I think that this year – is really a prove-it year for Brogdon Absolutely. for us to figure out if he is the answer. So I think right now my answer would still be no. Is he the long-term answer? But I really don't think his best position is a point guard. I completely agree, Alex. People have dipped their brush in paint, and they are painting him out as a guy that has issues with coaches year after year, and I hope it's not true. So when you talk about you know, like basically like a make-or-break prove-it year, this is it. You bring in a championship coach. If you are, you know, a point guard who wants to be the leader of your team and you can't get along with a championship head coach, there's an issue here. Now, I think part of the problem is, is that we thought we were getting more of a leader. Brogdon, unbelievably well-spoken, said all the right things going into each of the last two seasons. But when things didn't go quite as planned, it felt like he was commonly someone that we heard had an issue or wasn't being the vocal leader that we hoped for. Now. In regards to the contract, two years, $44 million left. That's completely fair market value for a guy of his talent. I mean, we're seeing John Wall making over $44 million a year. <laughs> and I mean, that, that contract is unmovable. But anyway, the Pacers, if they want to take a step forward, it's not going to be with running it back. At some point, someone has to be involved in a trade, and I feel like it's Brogdon. But for, for right now, look, let, let's let's not get ahead of ourselves. We don't need to kick him off the team, trade him just to trade him or anything like that. But you talked about being a point guard. He's not a true point guard. He's stuck between being a one and a two. A lot of people like him playing better off the ball. Sure, he could defend better than most point guards. But it, it's just, I kind of feel like, and I, this is going to sound a little mean, I feel like he's like a rich man's George Hill. Where George Hill, we didn't, you know, he was a combo guard who could defend well. Brogdon, he could score better. You know, he, he could shoot the ball better. I think, you know, George Hill is a good defensive guard. Brogdon's a good defensive guard. Either way. I I think Hill's a better defender. I agree. I agree. So I didn't want to go as far as saying Brogdon's a better defender. Hill was a good defender. Make no doubt about it. But I just feel like we slightly, not slightly, we upgraded, but not significantly uh, in regards to that, you know, over there. When you made a comparison over there uh, from Brogdon to Andre Miller, you know, just briefly, one comparison that I was kind of thinking about reminds me of, like, Mike Miller, who I mean, not Mike Miller, Mike Conley was someone that for so long wasn't an all star, but was a real good player. And I feel like most people would say, hey, give me that Mike Conley's career over Brogdon. But I just feel like they're in that same type of category as hey, good, good player. But if that's like supposed to be your guy or your second option, you're you're not going to be an elite team. Well, time out there. I, 
I feel like you're disrespecting Mike Conley a little bit because one, he was in the Western Conference. If he's in the Eastern Conference, he makes he's an multiple All-Star, all-star yeah, games. I agree. And, and look at what the Memphis team did. They took, they went to the Western Conference Finals at least once. I know. Yeah, one time. But they were still really competitive and a really tough out in the playoffs. Brogdon hasn't been a tough out for the Pacers in the playoffs. They missed the playoffs one year, then they got swept by the Heat. So, I mean, he's got zero playoff wins. I think Mike Conley is significantly better than Malcolm Brogdon. I get what you're saying yeah. in terms of comparing him to the underrated, underappreciated. Yeah, exactly. Good, but, not great point guards. But, but, give me Conley over Brogdon in their primes for sure. But in like one of those where if that's your second best guy, you're not, you're not going to be a championship team at, at any point. Yeah, and I think that that makes – I think that's a fair comment to say. But – I just I feel like with Brogdon, the biggest problem with him besides health is just he, he acts like a fish out of water sometimes with his personality. He flippity flop, flippity flop. And the reason I say that is because look, first year here with McMillan praises McMillan. All of a sudden, they start losing in the playoffs, and he was like the vocal leader of let's move on from this coach. They bring in Bjorkum. We're hearing about them having lunch every day together. Personalities are really meshing well together. They're loving everything about it. And then all of a sudden, halfway through the season, Brogdon gets hurt. He comes back from his injury, and they ask him about the Bjorkman stuff, and he refused not to answer it, or he refused to answer it. So then he flip-flopped on Bjorkman. So let's see what he does with Carlisle. He's like, I thought it was the best coaching hire we could get. Okay, well, that's great. Let's see how you get along with him. I think, you know, you can make the case, was he validated in his unhappiness or disgruntledness with the head coach currently at the time? Maybe so, but I think that with Nate McMillan, looking at what he did last year with Atlanta, he deserved more of a chance to stay for another season at least than Nate Bjorkman. So Brogdon has a very impactful voice in the locker room. They've talked about that. He wants to be the leader, but now I think it's really the season for him to basically prove that he is that leader, and they need someone to step up. I don't see Turner or or Sabonis really being that vocal guy. We, we know McConnell can be that, but I want to see how much of a leader on and off the court Brogdon can be for this team because I think as a human being, he does some really great, fantastic charity work Absolutely. and stuff like that. So I'm not judging him as a, as a person, but in terms of a basketball leader, I think there's – Still a lot to be desired there. there. There completely is. And I just think that, you know, when you talk about McConnell, McConnell is definitely a leader in, you know, some aspects, of course. But when you're looking for more of a – you want someone to be able to prove it more on the court with, you know, having the numbers to back it up and everything. And Brogdon has that opportunity. It just feels that it hasn't worked in terms of him being a leader. I mean, he's even talked about the team needing more leadership. And I think that was more directed at bringing in a guy like Rick Carlisle. And I just think that we've even heard reports at times that, you know, maybe Oladipo and Brogdon clashed a little bit about who, you know, who was the leader in the locker room at times. And I just feel like now we're talking about at this point where we are, you know, two years into the Malcolm Brogdon experience, I think that he's been good. He's taken his game a bit forward in some aspects, scoring, you know, you know, passing the ball. But I just think that this is this is probably last year might have been from a from a statistical standpoint his best year that we're going to see. I don't know if there's a next step with the amount of solid players that the Pacers have in the starting lineup. Yeah, no, I completely agree, Fachi. He's just a guy that 
if you can move him for the right piece, then do it. I don't think he's a long-term answer, but I, I think that it's better to have him than not have a point guard option at all because – Absolutely. You, you know, you got to take – you can't take it for granted is what I'm trying to say because I think some players – or not players, some fans take Malcolm Brogdon for granted. They're like, I just can't stand the guy. Well, it's like, well, the guy helps you win a lot of games, you know. The reason they've won the amount of games that they've won the last two seasons, even though last year was a bit of a letdown, was because of his play. He, he's actually bailed them out multiple times and had some great late-game moments. I think that he's a guy that could be okay if Levert is comfortable handling the ball, Sabonis is good at handling the ball, and they're able to figure something out. I think they could make it work to the best of its ability this year under Carlisle, but I still worry about the defensive side of things because while I think – He's a good defender. I don't think he's good at guarding the Trey Young type of defender. So he does a better job of guarding guys that are maybe his size or a little bit bigger, like a Jimmy Butler, those kind of guys, just because they're not as quick with the mm -hmm. basketball. You know, but Kimba Walker, Trey Young, the smaller guys, the quick bursty guys, they can give him some problems. And unless, you know, unless for some reason Chris Duarte gets this awesome starting position with T.J. Warren out, and he proves that he deserves to be a starter. And he's able maybe to, as a rookie, stay in front of these quick guys better than, than Brogdon, and maybe you can figure something out there. But I just don't really know uh, how he's going to get better at that because I don't feel like that's part of his um, arsenal in terms of what he brings to the table. Yeah, we've also heard reports where Brogdon has said, no, I'm a point guard. Like, he wants to be point guard. And I think at this point in his career, which, you know, you could say is his prime, he's he's set on being a point guard. And I think that the Pacers want to start to slowly kind of drift away from that and have him more as, you know, playing off the ball. And that's that's something that I think at this time he might not be as receptive to. But the addition of Levert, I feel like it shows that he's going to have to be receptive to that otherwise he might not be here long term you know i know it's just two years left on the deal so we'll, we'll wait and see how things pan out but this year is going to tell a lot about this team oh yeah for sure i i really i really agree with that Fachi. so all in all i think we're like not in love with him as the future but we're okay with him as the present is that is that fair to say yes it is okay so that wraps up that conversation. I know a lot of people are probably in the same boat as us. They don't really want them on the team. A lot of the comments I've heard are very anti-Brogdon, but I would just maybe pump the brakes on it. Don't be so anti-Brogdon, but I understand the desire to want to improve that position, but um, what you got right now is it could be a lot worse, trust me. So um, any other thoughts before we sign off? No, no, I think I think we covered it uh, all for now, and I'm just very happy that Pacer basketball is truly right around the corner. Absolutely. So, Fachi, where can the people find us at on social media? You can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexFullerNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Facebook, SettingThePace, and you can find us on TikTok, SettingThePace. And if you wish you had abs like Chris Duarte, say these three words. Let's go Pacers! Oh, we have some smother ticket on that one! Smother ticket!
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.